Oregon takes on Hawaii this week, and they are a, a big, big favorite against the Rainbow Warriors at Onsen Stadium, which means we should see Ty Thompson, who can bolster his case, not solidify, as Oregon's starter in 2024. Here we go. You are Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, it is that time once again for Locked On Ducks. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day and your number one source to stay up to date with the Ducks. If you have not already, like, comment, subscribe, rate, review, please and thank you wherever you listen to or watch this show. Saw a very nice comment on Apple Podcasts recently reviewing the show. Appreciate all of you so very, very much. If you enjoy it, by all means, let me know. We've got a subtext you can join as well if you want to communicate with me one-on-one. Or you can always hit me up on Twitter. And hey, you can tell me I stink. You can tell me I'm great. I'm good either way because it means you're consuming the show. So uh, let's talk about Ty Thompson, who should get into the game this week. You know, before the season, I talked about the opportunities where Ty Thompson would uh, be able to play. It looks like that game against Colorado, eh, probably not. Probably not going to happen. Uh, that'll, of course, be a bigger discussion next week. But Colorado is certainly much better than I and most people uh, expected. So this is still an opportunity, though, because Oregon is a 37 and a half point favorite against Hawaii. This is a program that has, you know, struggled since Nick Rolovich left to to be a consistently winning program. They haven't been completely terrible but they haven't had a lot of great seasons and they don't look particularly strong this year here's you know why I think it's likely Ty Thompson plays we have the big point spread and the reason is that Hawaii lost 37 to 21 at home against Stanford and I thought Stanford looked impressive in week one and then Stanford came out in week two and you know who they played USC and you know what the line was 29 and a half points it was in Los Angeles but still it was a 29 and a half point spread the final score, 56 to 10. So Stanford has, was my preseason pick to finish last in the Pac-12 this year. I think Troy Taylor can coach. I actually think they showed some encouraging signs against Hawaii, but I don't think they're very good this year. And Hawaii lost them by two scores. So Oregon should be able to run this up. And that'll give a chance to Ty Thompson to take the field against a, a quality of opponent that is higher, I think, than what he saw against Portland State. And look, no one's winning a quarterback battle this week. But after what we saw against Portland State, I was encouraged by Ty Thompson. It's not that he's taken every step necessary in order to show he is QB1 or should be for 2024. But when you're playing a Mountain West opponent, you've got some superior athletes than what you had against Portland State. And if the if the first team offense does their job, we should see Ty Thompson in this game. And I'll be looking for a similar game plan and script and quality of play from Ty Thompson that we saw against Portland State. Because if you do it against an FCS opponent, okay, that's that's a step, right? That's a baby step in the right direction. If you do it against a G5, even a, a low-level G5 like Hawaii is right now, that's still a step in the right direction. So if he comes out, he was 7 of 8 for 81 yards and a touchdown with one carry, or I think he had one carry for like 12, 15 yards against the Vikings. If he does that against Hawaii, that's another feather in his cap. It's not an unlimited number of feathers in his cap. It's not enough to say that he's going to be the starter next year, 
But if he looks comfortable, if he goes through progressions, if he makes accurate throws while showing off the arm strength again, that would be another sign to me that he is capable of being a starting quarterback for the Ducks come 2024. Now, if he shows some of the things that we've seen in the past that have led us to believe he's not going to be able to be that guy, then maybe that's the direction that things end up heading. But we should get another piece of information. It's not a make or break either way, but I think, you know, in our view as as Oregon fans and how the coaching staff probably sees him as well, because these are live game reps, he can help solidify his case. And, and if he is, you know, let's say he goes six of eight for 52 yards and a touchdown and looks good doing it, maybe has a carry here and there, it would hard to not see him. It, it would be hard for me to not see him as the leading contender to be the starting quarterback in 2024, that of course subject to change. Cause we only see glimpses, right? Like we don't get to watch practice. We don't get to watch all the reps that take place in there. We just get to see what we saw in the spring game, what we see when he gets in during garbage time. And, and this will be, you know, more of a test and challenge slightly than what you had against uh, Portland state in, in week one. So if he's up to that challenge, that would be another step on, you know, our, mental scale of like could he be the start yeah it 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 it, it could it could happen whereas you know a year ago at this time it felt pretty unlikely but i thought he's looked better you know the first half of the spring game was pretty bad the second half of the spring game was really really good which averages out to an okay performance and then against portland state he was great i mean he looked he looked great he showed off the big arm. He was accurate. He made good reads. He got through progressions. He looked comfortable. He didn't have happy feet. If he does all of that again against Hawaii, like I don't necessarily have a statistical because I don't know exactly how much he'll play. Hopefully he's able to get in by like the end of the third quarter. And hopefully Will Stein calls the offense the same way he did against Portland State, which is we're not going to just give him screen passes and handoffs. Like let him throw the football a little bit. Like, I, I, I love seeing that against the Vikings. Hopefully, we, we have the same chance uh, against the Rainbow Warriors. But uh, something else to, to take note of. I'm getting a similarity between two former four-star recruits for the Ducks, one of whom is no longer on the roster, one of whom is currently on the roster, but we haven't seen yet in 2023. Those two players are Chris Hudson and Byron Cardwell. So last year, going into the season you know we brought in Bucky Irving we brought in Noah Whittington and I had a theory before the year that ended up being true which is I don't think they bring these guys in unless they like him more than the guy we have there because in 2021 Byron Cardwell looked like at least a running back of the future but he got pushed down to fourth or fifth on the depth chart right it was Irving it was Whittington it was James and it was Sean Dollars frankly ahead of him like he, he just he got pushed down and that started playing out in the early weeks in a way that looked like, um, okay, so he's just kind of not playing. Is he hurt? Uh, like, we don't have a lot of information. People don't really know. We haven't seen him. Look, maybe Hudson's hurt. Dan Lanning's been very tight-lipped with all that sort of stuff. And Hudson was the second-leading receiver for the Ducks a season ago. They did bring in two guys who can play his position. Gary Bryant lines up inside and outside, but... They also brought in Tez Johnson, who looks like the number one slot receiver uh, and, and I think is you know a more explosive athlete. Um, I actually thought he blocked better than I expected him to in week one against Texas Tech. I still think that's advantage Hudson, but wide receiver, your number one job is to catch the ball. Tez is, you know, hasn't had a drop yet as, as a duck. Hudson's had a couple. 
Tez has got better balance and more speed. Hudson is still a really good football player, but those two situations just kind of feel the same to me. And so I'm interested to look, I'm all on board. I like Chris Hudson. I I always have. He's been a really good player for the Ducks the last several years. Um, He is an energy guy. He is uh, a gadget guy as well. Fly sweeps and tunnel screens and whatnot. He's really, really good on on those sorts of things that, that and we saw that a season ago. But it just it just feels weird. I, I would prefer that he that he come back um and that he still be a part of the rotation because I like depth. I like having different weapons. You never know when guys are gonna go down. And we'll we'll just have to wait and see. Like I'm not making a prediction that he's going to do what Cardwell did, which is not playing many games, red shirt and then transfer. Maybe he does. I, I can't say the thought hasn't crossed my mind. I don't want that to happen because I like being able to say, yeah, Oregon's receivers go like seven, eight deep. And, and, and I feel good about, about all of them in there. So um, just, just something to, to kind of watch there and curious to see if he ends up uh, seeing the field this week. Are you curious about what's going on with recruiting? I know. Remember recruiting? Like the Alamo. Remember the Alamo. Well, remember recruiting because uh, it certainly does not stop. Neither does building a championship team with eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. Mine, I call the Red Rocket, is a 2000 ES300, and I have to make sure that it's always got uh, the right parts. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, style, eBay Motors has got you covered. Over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die. You'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebay.com slash motors. eBay, guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers, eligible items only, exclusions apply. Nice little second segment sip. Also, just a reminder for all of you, if you ever want to communicate me one-on-one and not have to wait for me to filter through the YouTube comments or Twitter DMs and such, which I do do, and you can still get in touch with me that way. Always will be able to. There's a new option that we've got here at, at Locked On Ducks. There's a subtext community. You can talk with me one-on-one. I share instant thoughts and reactions after the game on there and will all season long. And you get priority mailback questions. So if you want, click the link in the description below to sign up. Cruton don't stop. Brian Smith knows that pretty well. Let's bring him on. Joining me now here on Locked On Ducks, Brian Smith, our Locked On Recruiting Insider. This segment brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. Go to linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Brian Smith is at FB Scout underscore Florida. The football season may be underway. That doesn't mean recruiting just takes a break. Brian might not be as busy with a podcast appearance lineup as he is during the summer, but there's still plenty of things to talk about. Let's hop right into it, Brian. Braden Platt is the most recent commitment for the Ducks. That was uh, about nine days ago. He's another four-star linebacker, the third in the 2024 cycle for for the Ducks. What do you see from from Braden, Braden Platt? That was messy. Boom, pow, bang. Those are the things that I see with him. When he hits something, it's a loud collision. He is one of the most powerful built linebackers I can remember in recent 
recruiting history. He's an old school 1985 downhill middle linebacker playing at SC or Michigan or something like that. But he's able to run and move in a way that he can still play linebacker in this era at 240. That, my friend, is what you're looking for. So I do have a quick request. Yes. I know that you don't know Dan Lanning, but you're going to have to get on the phone with him and pass on this request for me. Okay. I need to see this young man in short yardage packages in the backfield. I do not care if Dan likes it. It's your job <laughs> to get that to happen. Okay. Okay. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll put that on my agenda of items to accomplish as uh, the host of, of Locked on Ducks here. It's not as if we haven't seen Lanning do it before. Noah Sewell scored a That's touchdown cool. against Colorado last year. And I assume you bring this up, Brian, because he is a two-way player currently cool. in cool. high school. He is a running back and he is a, it's a running back, right? And he is a linebacker as well. He's going to be a linebacker for the Ducks, but I mean, we, we we have a jumbo package. We've seen it each of the last couple of seasons. And after this year, Terrence Ferguson probably going to go off to the NFL. And you don't know what else will happen in that tight end room. So maybe as a jumbo package, you put him in there as a fullback and say, just run forward and hit the first person that, that, that you see, you know? You could play him at H-back and do some other things with him. This is a very unique athlete. I think he's completely underrated for two reasons. One, do you know where Yellen Washington is? Because I don't. I'm guessing that 99% of the people on planet Earth do not either. Yeah, I, I, I can't say I could point it out on a map. And my parents have <laughs> lived just north of Seattle for over seven years now. So I'm not I'm not entirely certain. Um, still, a four-star linebacker is this sort of defensive player that, that we want to see the Ducks get on the recruiting trail to try to hopefully build a dominant defense that I think uh, should be poised to pop in, in year three under Dan Lanning and, and company. So it didn't change Oregon's recruiting ranking nationally. They're sitting at 12th uh, in the country right now. Is that just because other schools have picked up commitments because they already had a lot of four-star players? Why, why didn't this move the needle when you added a blue-chip prospect? It's just everybody's kind of getting one guy here or there. There's nothing new. The only thing that's really going to change much now is when a five-star pops. Their, their number is just that big. I had somebody talking about another school the other day. They said if school X gets this five, there's some kid who's getting ready to commit, they'll move up like four spots. All those schools, like between seven and 15, are real close together. One kid can change your ranking if you get a five-star kid more than one spot. Oregon has its opportunities coming up, and who knows what's going to happen right before signing day when it's flip season. Yeah, flip season is uh... – usually now right before bowl season uh, based on where it was last year, which is just a really dumb part of the college football calendar. But, you know, this is a great sport run by below average individuals on the whole. So that is one of the best statements you've ever made. in your life. <laughs> Thank you. I am far too proud of it, frankly. And it happens to be true. Uh, last thing on Braden Platt before we talk about a couple of five stars is he becomes Oregon, Oregon's third four-star linebacker committed in the 2024 cycle, along with, uh, Kamar Mathudi and, and Dylan Williams. When you look at Oregon's linebacker unit right now and, and what it can be going forward, the only guy you could say for certain will be back next year is Devin Jackson. I would suspect Jeffrey Bossa would, would be back as well. It's still early in the season. We don't know how all these things are going to play out, but do you think Oregon is done at this position group from the high school ranks going into 2024? The only way I would take another guy is if it's a really special player. The three they have already gotten committed. Those are guys you're looking for. That's a top five, top 10 class at the linebacker spot in the country. So you're good. They just didn't take that many last year. So you can't close the door. 
you know, maybe you take a Juco kid or a transfer or something too. That's the other part of that. There's so many possibilities now. I have to look at it from a very broad lens and what Dan has in, in store is one thing. And then there's always the kid that randomly enters his name into the transfer portal that changes the coach's mind too. So it's, it's moving parts here, my friend. As is uh, often the case with with recruiting in the college football world. Speaking of which, Oregon's still seeking their first five-star on any site. Um, we don't have a player who has a five-star recognition anywhere, in whether it's on three, 24-7, ESPN, Rivals, where, wherever you look. Doesn't mean there aren't a lot of good players in the class. But you do want to see Oregon you know, land these sorts of players, whether it's Mateo or Jurion Dickey, uh, the, the last couple of years. I mean, Mateo's literally already making an impact on the field. He had a sack against Texas Tech that got uh, called back because Texas Tech committed a penalty, so we accepted the penalty and such. But he was out there a lot making an impact. Also out there, Tatum Tuioti, Blake Purchase. So we're, we're seeing some true freshmen play for the Ducks with, with some regularity and high-leverage situations here. So... When you look at the probability of a five-star kid doing that, it's usually a lot higher because they have that designation for a reason. Let's talk about Brandon Baker. There was a point in time where it looked like Oregon was in a really, really good spot here. You've come on this show in the past and said that it's basically an NIL game for, for, for Brandon Baker. Is that still the case? And where does Oregon sit in that discussion? He's the number one offensive tackle in 2024 for those who did not know or perhaps did not remember. He is a special player. His film, just for the entertainment value, I suggest you go check it out. No matter who you are, what school you root for, he's at Modern Day, which is obviously a prominent program. They beat uh, a coach of mine, friend of mine, 62 to nothing recently, and it's a school that's got like 15 kids going to college, and I'm not exaggerating. So they are very good. Um, Texas is the strong leader from everything I've heard, including one of my buddies thinking he's going to Texas, who covers Texas. That's pretty good sign. Can that change? What's the date? Yeah, it's early September. But right now, barring something unforeseen, he's going to be a longhorn. So what would Oregon have to do, you think, to get back into the mix for him? I think, number one, NIL is part of it. But if you get a kid, I mean, Texas just beat Alabama on the road. Right. They're, I mean, it's the best win in college football so far and probably going to be the best one this year. I mean, do you really think I, I, here's here's home? a good here's a good stat for you, Brian? I believe that is the first top five road win against a power five opponent. Well, I guess every top five team is a power five, so that was redundant. That's but good. it's the first top five road win in college football since Oregon beat Ohio State two years ago. I don't think there was a top five road win last season. Yeah, that's I mean, and kids are going to resonate with that. It was the big game. I mean, I get it. And Texas was probably right there for him anyway. If he didn't have a reason to go there anyhow, I mean, their offensive line did pretty good. Not like they sound like they dominated Bama because Bama's physical, but they showed themselves. Oregon's going to have to do something. And I have a point about that here in a minute, but Oregon has a few chances coming up to gain some spotlight on them to flip it around. That's what they're going to have to do. They're going to have to stomp some teams in big games. Like Not Colorado, big, for instance. That would be the one in particular. I, when I say stomp, I mean like 48 to 22 or you know some random, you know, like Colorado's going for two every because they're down four touchdowns. Like just stomp. I don't know if you're going to keep Colorado to under 30 points with the way Sanders can throw the ball. Yeah. But their defense is just not very good. That'd be nice. You should be able to run the ball down their throat. And what do offensive linemen like to do? Run block or pass block? Run block. 
if you get and Baker's physically ready for that level, you need to go out and show that you can be like Texas and beat the crap out of some teams. And then when Oregon plays SC, a team that I think they're going to beat, when they play Washington, et cetera, they have to win those games. They got to do it convincingly. Right. Oregon's going to have to do it. And they got a, they got a quarterback that can hit the big playoff play action too. They right. 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 When, when does Baker commit? Is there a timeline on him? It's, it's coming up in the next week or two. I forget the exact day, but it's coming up pretty quick. Well, that would need to be two weeks if he was going to see the outcome of the, the Colorado game. So that's why I could care less about commitment dates because it's still, you gotcha. really think he's okay. going to not play Dan's call. Do you really think that? I don't. Okay. Well, I'll take your word for it. You're the expert here, not me. That's why we, uh, we bring you on the show. <laughs> uh, lastly, the other five star in Oregon sites. Uh, Aiden Breland, defensive lineman, teammate of Brandon Baker on the other side. I would love to watch those two go at it and practice. That's oh, probably, that ooh, that's some, uh, it reminds me of, um, that scene in, in the blind side, a movie that now has a little bit of a different feel pending what, what happens there and such when they go best on best and it's Michael Orr against the other and the, and the coaches are watching. It's just like an O-line Oklahoma drill and, and Michael Orr just pancakes him like the, like that that sort of hype, you know, where coaches are coming down, getting their hands on their knees and going, "All right, what do I see here?" And then the kid just absolutely destroys them one way or the other. That that's kind of what I envision. Uh, it's like at practice there. So, uh, give us an update on on Aiden Breland, a five star interior defensive lineman, a place that Oregon's going to have a lot of turnover after this twenty twenty three season. Miami A and M, Oregon, Georgia. I mean, it doesn't get any heavier for teams that really covet D linemen allegedly going to go see Georgia. I mean, I, he doesn't have a date set yet. Not that, again, that I really care, but Oregon's in the mix for the final group. That's all you can ask for at this point. And I, I, I want to see the date where Breedland says, I'm visiting Eugene. Until I see that date, that makes me nervous when I look at it from Oregon's perspective. These kind of kids that go – make the decision at the end of his, he'll probably be more of a signing day guy. How many times did you get him on campus past June? That's I bet you the school that gets him, gets him on campus at least once, if not twice. Brian Smith is at FB scout underscore Florida, a great follow on Twitter. If you want more recruiting insight, go follow him over there. We always appreciate the time, Brian. Thank you so much. Thank you, sir. In a world where you need somewhere to adapt to your medical needs quickly, Jace Medical is the place that you should do. The Jace case provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use. All it takes to get a Jace case is to fill out a simple online form and, in some cases, jump on a quick call with one of their board-certified physicians. Don't be caught unprepared. Everyone should be empowered to care for themselves and their loved ones during the unexpected. Jace handles everything from online evaluation to licensed pharmacy medication delivery and ongoing consultation and care. With storms, shortages, pandemics, reliance on China and supply chain issues, you need to be prepared now more than ever. Save more than $360 by getting these life-saving antibiotics with Jace Medical plus an additional $20 off by using my code LOCKEDON at checkout on jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. Get $20 off by using my code LOCKEDON. Always love talking with Brian Smith, uh, one of the best in the business for sure. Let's get to a couple of mailbag questions that uh, are are on my mind because of our opponent this week. Mailbag is always open to the YouTube comments. You can comment in there. You can go on Twitter at Smalls underscore 55 or at Locked on Ducks. Or if you want priority mailbag and the chance to talk with me one-on-one all the time, 
Join the Subtext community, free 14-day trial, $5 a month after. That link is in the description below, wherever you're listening to or watching this show. Um, I got two questions about this particular system uh, that are on my mind because of our opponent for this week. So Blazer Duck asked about a relegation system in college football, and Nathan expanded upon that. This was before the season got started, and I've been waiting for the right time to you know, kind of answer these questions, and I think this is the appropriate one. Nathan says, hey, Spencer, what are your opinions on doing uh, conferences and realignment like they do in English soccer? On one hand, the rich get richer if you swap out Indiana for Tulane. On the other hand, it would at least be a merit-based system and the games now matter more because competition is equal. I just think the Beavs should get to play their way up. Well, first of all, Oregon State is a top 20 program in the country at the moment, as they should be. They have earned that, and they should not be on the precipice of getting relegated, which is what is likely to happen in 2024 and beyond. So that's the first thing. Second thing, I don't know that this would ever get any momentum because for the same reason, I don't suspect you will have one mega conference of college football of FBS Power Fives and then FBS G Fives and then FCS, and you just kind of everyone plays their own league for their own championships and such with a, a few crossover matchups. That that idea is great in theory, but here's what that requires: the conferences and the people who run them to give up their power and authority. And I, I don't think that it is very uh, common in human nature for humans to give up power and authority and money and influence when they already have it. So the conferences have a tremendous amount of power right now, and individual schools have power within those leagues, and it takes a lot to disrupt that infrastructure in the way that college football is is currently constructed. So I don't think that that is particularly likely. Now, on the relegation side of things, I would be very open to this idea because if you are bad for a long time, financially, there is no punishment or there, there's no you know declassification from power status or anything like that. But you have G5 programs and you have Power 5 programs that can have a gap in the opposite direction. Anyone think Tulane is a worse football team than, I don't know, Rutgers right now or I I Indiana? Or like pick pick a bottom level Power Five school, and, and and the same sort of gap exists between the G Five and the FCS. Like North Dakota State is better, I think, than some FBS programs on an annual basis. Certainly, or some Power Five programs, but they're certainly better than a bunch of G Five programs out there. But they compete at the FCS level, and I think about this in the context of Hawaii, who we're playing this week, and we're a thirty-seven and a half point favorite. Okay, there are. FCS schools that might be able to give Oregon a better fight or even schools in a league or a conference that is preserved or um, uh, what is the word that I'm uh, perceived that is perceived as lesser than the Mountain West that is that like there are programs out there that are better than Hawaii like if you went to Conference USA or if you went to I mean the American I suppose is comparable if you went to the Sun Belt for instance, you'd be able to find programs that are better than Hawaii in the Mountain West or in Conference USA, or like you, you can look in a variety of places and they'd be able to put up the same sort of uh, competitive 
capability that Hawaii has been. Like they have not been good for a long time consistently. They've had a couple moments, like Nick Rolovich before he got hired as the Washington State coach and then uh, fired, of course, over the whole COVID vac situation. Now Jake Dickert is there doing a really good job. Rolovich had some success at Hawaii, but they've only had like two 10 win seasons in the Mountain West since 2010. Like, Colt Brennan had his moment in the sun, of course. Like, that was Hawaii football's big moment. Since then, they've been consistently mediocre. And so, mediocre to below average. And, and when you have a program like that, I think the incentives work on both sides to make it fun for fans and for and for the teams and to keep the incentive structure such that you are rewarded for winning and you are punished for losing consistently. So let's say you had a stage of conferences that you know one was above the other and if you did well enough in this league you'd get promoted to this one and if you do poorly enough in this league you get demoted to the to to the one below. The reason that it's good for fans is because you you have more urgency to low level matchups at the power five or g5 level throughout the course of the entire regular season but also if your team isn't good enough to compete in this conference well they might be able to go down and compete in this conference and guess what fundamentally winning is the most fun thing to experience as a fan so hawaii in the mountain west if they were to be a bottom, you know, a bottom feeder for three years in a row and get relegated, whatever the structure would, would be in this hypothetical system, and they were to then jump down into, you know, Conference USA, for instance, and Conference USA sends their best over to the Mountain West, or, you know, just, just as a hypothetical, I know the geography is weird. That's another reason that it would get tricky. But if they were to do that, Hawaii could suddenly go to Conference USA, maybe, and win more games. And that creates a better environment and vibe around your football program. Of course, you have to make the right hires and such, but I support a relegation-based, a relegation system that is merit-based in college football. I, I just don't think it's likely at all because you look at, like we were a 40-something point favorite, I think against Portland State and against Hawaii, we're 37 and a half. Like Vegas is telling you, there's not that big of a gap between Portland State playing at the FCS level in the big sky in Hawaii at the bottom of the Mountain West. And, and I think the incentives for, you know, if you win an FCS conference, going up to the G5 level to see if you can compete up there, that could be fun. But like I said, I don't think it's likely because it's complicated and it is requiring people in positions of power, influence, and wealth to give up said matters in order to better the sport potentially. And as we've seen over the last couple of years, whatever is in the best interest of the sport that is college football, the one that we love so much. It's like I said with Brian Smith. It's a fantastic, amazing, well above average sport run by a bunch of below average people across the board. And that's unfortunate. We got to make the best of it as as we can. But though I would enjoy that system, and Hawaii is a case study for like, hey, if there isn't that big of a gap in the eyes of Vegas between Portland State and Hawaii, why can't Portland State have an opportunity to you know win their conference and play at the same level as Hawaii and get the financial benefits to come with that? Because that would just make too much sense. Appreciate everyone listening. I'll see you next time. Have a wonderful rest of your day. And as always, go Ducks.